doing us here as we conclude our study of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2 here on the Last Things Podcast. thing remember when i talked about earlier i was going to relate this is parts of this dream does it have anything to do with the book of revelation and the answer is yes they do so this is what i want you to do we're gonna go to revelation chapter 13 okay now remember we're at the feet and the toes and they represent who the revived roman empire right Okay. Excuse me. And this is going to be an example of having Daniel and the book of Revelation side by side going together. Okay. This is going to be an example of it. Okay. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 13 and let's go to verse one. This is John. John says, then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and 10 horns with 10 crowns on its horns and written on each head were names that blaspheme God. We're going to stop right there because that's what we need in, in Revelation chapter 13. Now we know in Revelation chapter 12, John sees a similar, John sees a scarlet beast, different beast, but this beast, the horn, the crowns were not on top of the head of the horns. The crowns in Revelation 12 are on the heads, meaning they're on the kingdoms. I'm ju- oh, I'm jumping ahead again. I'm sorry. But they're on the kingdoms. They're not on the horns in Revelation 12. They're on the they're on the heads. OK, so now that John is seeing this. If you read, if you're hearing this for the first time, the beast out of the sea, the meaning of it is found in Revelation chapter 17. Okay, so let's go to Revelation chapter 17 and the angel is about to tell John the meaning of what he just saw. Okay, let me get my notes to make sure I have everything wrote down. Okay. Now, let's go to verse eight. Let's let's go to verse seven of Revelation chapter 17. Why are you so amazed? The angel asked. I will tell you the mystery of this woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns on which she seat on which she sits. The beast you saw was once alive, but isn't now. And yet he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who has died. Okay, so he's talking about the Antichrist. 
Remember, uh, when it comes to Revelation 17, when you see the beast, you have to realize what he's talking about. Either he's talking about the ain't, either he's talking about the man, or he's talking about his system, his government. Okay, you can tell by what he says. If he says the beast, if he gives it a pronoun as he, you know, he's talking about the man. If he gives it a pronoun as it, he's talking about the government system. Okay, that's how you tell the difference between the two. How is he describing it? Is he describing it as a he or is he describing it as a it? Okay. Now let's go to verse nine. Here we go. This calls for a mind with understanding. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman sits. They also represent seven kings. Five kings have already fallen. The sixth now reigns and the seventh is yet to come, but his reign will be brief. All right. Now, verse 11 says, the scarlet beast that was but is no longer is the eighth king. He is like the other seven, and he too is headed for destruction. I'm sorry, the scarlet beast is in Revelation Revelation 13, I believe. Is it Revelation 13 that he's in? I think it's 13. I'm sorry. Yes, he is, because the dragon is Revelation 12. Revelation 13 is a scarlet beast. I'm sorry. I got those two mixed up. Charged to my head, not my heart. Okay. So the scarlet beast that has seven heads with 10 horns and 10 crowns on those horns. Um, represent a kingdom. Now, now that we see that about John, let's look at notice what they say about it. The seven heads and ten horns. Seven of the heads have already, what he said about the seven heads. Let's go down. They represent seven kings. Verse 9, verse 10. Five of the kings have already fallen. So the seven heads, what would the seven heads be? So what would the five be? We're looking back. John's looking back. You know what those five are? The first is Egypt. Why? How do we know? Egypt was the one that was the power that was in charge. We know this because of the uh, Moses and uh, the children of Israel. That was Egypt. And then after Egypt, you had Assyria. Assyria was the next world power. That's two. Now, what are the other three? The other three kingdoms are the kingdoms that Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar about. Babylon. Medo-Persia and Greece. Those are the five kingdoms. Now, what, what does the angel also tell John? The sixth is the one that's reigning now. What's the sixth kingdom? The sixth kingdom is the Roman Empire. That's the one, that's the empire that's reigning during John's time while John is re, while John is writing out Revelation. So the Romans is the sixth empire. So who's the seventh? The angel says the seventh has not come, but his reign is going to be brief. What's the seventh one? The revived Roman Empire. Just as what Daniel saw, told Nebuchadnezzar, the, ten, the, uh, the feet with what? Ten toes, which was what? A divided kingdom. Okay. The same vision that Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar what he saw, John is seeing the same thing. He's seeing the same, he's seeing, we're looking forward. Some things have already happened, 
But some things in John's time did not happen. But do you see how both of them are, in essence, talking about the same kingdom? They're talking about the same kingdom that land. They're talking about the same things. They're talking about the same things. And look, let, let's let's go further. Let's go further. Verse 12. The 10 horns of the beast are 10 kings who have not yet risen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. Do you see that? There are 10 kings that are going to be reigning before the Antichrist comes. And look what, what it says about them. They're only going to last for a short time, just as just as Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar about the iron mixed with clay. It's not going to last long. This revived Roman Empire will not last long. Daniel has said it. And an angel told John, excuse me, the exact same thing. It's not going to last long. That empire is for us. The, the Roman Empire will be revived in the end times before the Antichrist takes over. And what do the ten horns represent? Ten kings. What is Daniel seeing? Ten toes. And what? And, and let's let's go back to Daniel chapter two. Let's go back to Daniel chapter two. Okay. Now, look what, let's go to verse 33. These kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by what? Forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. What do, what will these 10 kings do? The uh, revelation we just read, they're going to give all their power over to the Antichrist. And that's when, and remember how the Bible says that the Antichrist will be the eighth kingdom? after the Roman revived Roman Empire because it's not going to last long and the 10 kings that are reigning during that revived Roman Empire are going to all give their power and authority to the Antichrist and then the Antichrist kingdom will then be and will then begin will then start do you see how Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand? They are both talking about the same kingdom. It's just being it's just being looked at very differently. They're just being they're just they're talking about the same thing. God is just showing them in a different way. Daniel is Nebuchadnezzar is seeing it as a statue. John is seeing it as a beast. And that's very important because when we get to Daniel chapter seven, we're going to see those kingdoms again. And Daniel's going to see them as beasts the same way John sees them. As John sees that last kingdom as a beast. Daniel's going to see all these others as beasts as well. Now, this I'm going to tell you, I don't want to go in depth with the 10 kings because the 10 kings are talked about in Revelation, but in Daniel, I believe it's chapter seven. Daniel's going to tell you how the 10 kings give their power to the Antichrist. Daniel's going to discuss how they give their power to the Antichrist and then how he'll take over from there. Daniel's going to go more in depth with the 10 kings. John just sees them as Hey, they're going to give their power over to the Antichrist. Daniel's going to go more in depth as to what happens, how that how they give their power over to them. 
And that's all in Daniel chapter seven. Okay. This is why I say it is very important when you're reading Revelation, you have to read Daniel as well. And you start, and when you do that, you start to see there are very much sim Daniel is seeing one thing, John is seeing something else. But when you sit down and look at them, they're both talking about the same thing. Daniel is just talking about all the kingdoms that's going to come after um after the Babylon after the Babylonian Empire. Daniel's looking forward. John is looking back because all that's history to John. Daniel, none of that ha has happened for Daniel yet. But when John sees it in Revelation, all of that is already taking place. So in essence, if you really want to look at it, John really is confirming everything that Daniel is saying. That's exactly what John is doing. He's confirming everything that Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar. John is in essence in Revelation confirming it. He's saying, yeah, that's exactly what the angel is telling John. Yeah, everything Daniel said is true. And look, here's another confirmation. That's why Jesus said, when you see, that's why he told them in Matthew 24, when you see of what was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Jesus is also confirming everything Daniel said is true. This is why you have to read Daniel and Revelation together. You can't read one without reading the other. You need both books to really understand. You need both to understand. Okay. So I hope I did a good enough job to show you what, what Daniel is seeing, looking forward to see. John is seeing this very same thing about that last kingdom. All of the other kingdoms are gone in John, you know, Medo Babylon, Persia, Medo-Persia, Greek, those kingdoms are gone. And in John's time, it's the Roman Empire that's there. Daniel is there at the beginning, but John is there at the end, towards the end with the Roman Empire. But they're both talking about that last kingdom, the revived Roman Empire. Daniel seeing it as on the statue with the uh, feet and the ten toes. John is seeing it as the beast with the seven heads and 10 horns with the 10 crowns on the horns, showing what? They're 10 kings. And as I said, Daniel chapter 7 is going to go further in depth about those 10 horns. Daniel's going to go further in depth into them about those 10 horns, okay? Very important. I, I just can't stress this enough. To understand, you have to have both books together to really get a good grasp of it. To really understand what you're reading in Revelation, you got to read Daniel as well. Because some things that Daniel speaks of is not in Revelation. And some things Revelation uh, speaks of, Daniel, like I said, with the 10, with the ten horns, uh, it just gives a little brief overshot in Revelation. But Daniel goes further in depth as far as the uh, history of what's going to happen with those 10 horns. OK, we're going to see it in Daniel seven. OK, now that I hope I did a good enough job explaining that and notice, as we said, as we go back to uh, the last part of Daniel, chapter two, verse 43, then they will not hold together just as iron and clay don't mix. The revived Roman Empire will not last long. Once those 10 kings give their power over to the Antichrist, that's it. It's over. And what's the next kingdom? The kingdom of the Antichrist. 
That's why Revelation 17 says he's the eighth head. When you go to Satan, when you look at uh, the dragon in Revelation 12, the seven heads have seven crowns on the heads. And what does that mean? It, those are kingdoms that we know they represent the kingdoms. Five have fallen, the sixth reign, and the seventh is yet to come. Satan was over all of those kingdoms. Egypt, Assyria, Medo-Persian, uh, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And then the final kingdom. And then the Antichrist will set up his kingdom after the revived Roman Empire. That's the seventh kingdom. That's the seventh head in Revelation 12. And then what will happen? Revelation 17 says what? The Antichrist is the eighth kingdom, meaning he will be the eighth head in Revelation 12. And in Revelation 13, he will be the eighth head. So as you saw seven heads in Revelation, the Antichrist will be the eighth head. On the beast, which is what the world, the government, his government system. Okay, I hope I did a good enough job explaining that. I know I hope I did good in explaining it. I hope I did. But I want you to see how Daniel and Revelation again go hand in hand. Okay, now look, let's keep going. Okay, now we're gonna go to verse 44. During the reign of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed a statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. So remember what did, what did Daniel tell Nebuchadnezzar? A stone that's going to be cut from a mountain is going to be thrown at the feet. And that kingdom will descent, will be completely dis, uh, will be destroyed. And then all the other kingdoms before that will be completely destroyed. So if we know that the seventh, that that kingdom is the revived Roman Empire. And we know Daniel saying, hey, after that kingdom, the uh, the revived Roman Empire, because remember, we're going to see in Daniel seven, the Antichrist will come out of that revived Roman Empire. OK, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. But in Daniel seven, it talks about the ten horns. Right. And then right at the ten horns, Daniel says there's going to be a little horn that's going to sprout up as well. And that little horn is the Antichrist. So the ten horns are the revived Roman Empire that's going to be on the earth. The Antichrist will come up in rank through those ten kings. And then, like I said, Daniel's going to show how those ten kings are going to give all their power and authority over to the Antichrist, just as the angel told John will happen. So. As we know, the Antichrist will come from the revived Roman Empire. You see, God took that stone and threw it. Oh, I, I jumped ahead, but okay. We know it was God. Daniel said it. That's God. Because remember what he say: The stone was ripped from the mountain, but what? Not by human hands. God threw a stone at that feet, at the feet of that, and it all broke apart, and the whole statue fell, fell down into little bits and pieces. There was really nothing left of it. So 
We know what happens in the Antichrist kingdom. It's going to be completely destroyed by who? The millennial reign of Jesus Christ when Jesus comes back on the earth in Revelation. So who's the so what's the stone? The stone is the kingdom of God. But you can also say, how is that? You can also say the stone is really Jesus Christ, because Jesus is the one who's going to come in and destroy the Antichrist and his kingdom and his systems. Everything he's going to come in and destroy it all. That that's that's a um. if you look at uh, Matthew chapter 21, I believe it's chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 42, then Jesus asked them, did you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. Jesus was talking about himself. Y'all rejected me, and now I'm the cornerstone. Jesus would be the corner. Jesus, in my opinion, is the stone. It, it, we're still talking about the kingdom of God, but we're also talking about Christ as well, because Christ is the one that's going to destroy the system. And then what happens? Then he sets up his thousand thousand year millennial reign after he defeats the Antichrist and the false prophet. Because remember, there's two of them. There's the beast out of the earth and the beast out of the sea in Revelation 13. So it's not just the Antichrist. It's the false prophet. There's two of them running around. OK, and what happens in Revelation, the Christ, when he comes back, he's going to defeat the Antichrist and he's going to defeat the false prophet. And he's going to set up his thousand year millennial reign. And during that millennial reign, Satan will be bound up for a thousand years. OK, do you see how another example of how Daniel and revelation go hand in hand. And when Christ sets up his kingdom, what happens? He destroys everything. Everything that has he sets up his reign. He comes in and clears out everything. No more revived Rome, no more any Christ kingdom. Definitely no more revived Roman Empire. He has he comes in and he's going to destroy everything, all of the Gentile kingdoms. That's what the stone thrown. That's why the statue crumbles. He starts with the iron and clay kingdom, and then it all comes down from there. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is seeing. He is seeing an end time event for us. Okay. Now let's 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 and notice when we get to the end of verse 45, what does Daniel say? The dream is true. And the meaning is certain, meaning, oh, yes, this is true. This is going to happen. And it, you can bank on it. OK, now let's look at verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshiped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, verse 47, truly. Your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king 
appoint verse 48 then the king appointed daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts he made daniel ruler over all over the whole province of babylon as well as chief over all the all his wise men you see nebuchadnezzar told him if you give if you can tell me the dream and not just to tell me the dream, but what the dream means, I will reward you with, with glory and honor and riches. Nebuchadnezzar, you can say, we can say what we want to say, but in this instance, Nebuchadnezzar is a man of his word. He did exactly what he said he would do. He gave Daniel riches and glory and honor. Look at him. He said Daniel was appointed to a high position and he gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men, meaning what? All of the wise men are going to report to Daniel. All of them, meaning all the magicians, the, the, the magicians, the astrologers, all of them enchanters. All of them are going to now report to Daniel. Oh, boy, you can't tell me they not mad. Oh, you can't tell me they not mad. Oh, I bet they mad. I bet they are. But they're all going to report to Daniel. And notice, and, and, and then let's keep going. Verse 49, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. You see that there? Daniel told the king, he said, don't forget, it. He, he, he went back and said, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they helped as well. Because Daniel knew, had it not been for them praying with him, God might not have answered that prayer. He probably, God probably would have answered it for Daniel, but Jesus say two or three come together in his name. He was there and Daniel had two or three come together in, in the name of God and God answered their prayer. Ooh. And Daniel and Daniel did not forget about them. He didn't get, he didn't, he didn't get the big head. He said, oh no, please look out for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Because it was them that helped as well. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, oh, if that's what you wish, we're going to do it. Because at this moment, Daniel is the man. He's the man of the hour. He's the man with the plan. Because he was able to do something that none of the other king, none of the other astrologers or Chaldeans were able to do. But he was only able to do it through the power of God. Oh, man, you need to let this encourage you. You need to let this encourage you. Why? Because if God did that for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this affected them too, because guess what? They would have been killed. Daniel and all three of them, Daniel and the other three, they all would have been killed if God had not responded to their prayer. This should encourage you. Why? Because if God did that for them, can you imagine what he would do for you? Why? Because God did that and there was no blood of Christ shed. The Bible says we have the better covenant. Why? Because Jesus shed his blood for us on the cross. And because of that, we have the better covenant. Meaning what? If God did that for them in the Old Testament, 
He's got to do better in the Old Testament. He's got to do better for you now. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus is on your life. Oh, <laughs> Lord, have mercy. And that's a good place to stop for this lesson and go right into our call for salvation. This is why it is so this is this is the one of the fringe benefits of your salvation. How God responded in the Old Testament. He's got to respond better to you right now because the blood of Jesus is over your life. It's the blood. The Bible says what? Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. We talked about this earlier in the Bible. It talked about how God was not pleased with the animal sacrifices. He knew they had to have been done because it was law, but he wasn't pleased with those sacrifices. But when Jesus shed his blood for us on the cross, his one sacrifice was the atonement for all of us for all time. It's his blood that saves us. So when God does a thing in the old, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if God did something in the Old Testament, he's got to do better. And he's got, in the old days, in that time, he's got to do better for you in this time. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is on your life. Ooh, Lord have mercy. The blood of Jesus is on your life. He's got to do better. He's got to do better. He's got to. It's nothing but the blood. Ooh, that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Mm. Wow. Man, I'm telling you, man, there's some benefits to being a, being a child of the Most High God. There's some benefits. And look, I want to tell you something, too. I want to tell you this. Don't look at yourself and believe that, okay, I, I need to get myself ready. No, you don't. You don't need to get yourself ready to give your life to Christ. None of the Bible says none of us are righteous, not one. None of us are righteous. You don't have to get yourself ready to do nothing. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. Look at what he said. He, he didn't say he didn't give no kind of condition as to how you had to come to him. He said, come to me. Whatever you have going on in your life, whether you struggling, whether you have an addiction to something, whether you have whether you have these, whatever it is, whatever you have going on in your life that you think God will not want you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus said, come to me. I don't care what your shape is. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care. Jesus say, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And what did he tell Peter? He said, I'll make, what did he tell Matthew and him? He said, I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and the burden I give you is light. All the things that you trying to be Superman to hand to handle and do for yourself. Jesus say, no. Let me take that burden from you because it's light. My burden is light. Let me change burdens. You give me your burden and I'll give you a burden. But this burden that I give you, man, don't it's light. You can you'll be able to knock this out of the park. It'll be it's nothing compared to what you're dealing with right now. You ain't got to be perfect because in the Bible, none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. Not one. Even a even a pastor, when they get up and they preach, man, if you got a good pastor, they'll tell you in a minute, man, I'm not perfect. 
I blow it every day, just like you. I blow it every day. And I'm and I'm on my hands and knees asking God to forgive me every day, the same way you ask God to forgive you. I'm telling you, man, it is it, it there are benefits to being a child of the most high God. And don't think and, and 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 don't think that you have to be a certain way before you come to Christ. No, you don't. You come to Christ as you are and let him change you and let him work on. And he's going to do just that. Everything that you're dealing with right now, you trying to do it on your own. Jesus is waiting and he's saying, I have a better way. Let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me show you. And I'm going and everything's going to work to the bet to everything's going to work out. You may not see it, but I guarantee it's going to work. Now, don't come to Christ thinking that everything's just going to be hunky dory afterwards. No, you still going to struggle and the enemy's going to come at you harder than he ever did before because he don't want you to leave his kingdom. He wants you to stay in that kingdom of darkness. He wants you to stay there with him. So he's going to come harder. But Jesus is telling you. I got a plan for your life. I have a better way for your life. Trust me and open the door to your heart and let me in. I'll sit down with you and I'll fellowship with you and I'll show you a better way of living. That's why he said, he said in the Bible, if you lose your life, if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. Amen. Amen. So guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads with me, close your eyes, and let's just pray this simple little prayer. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you, Lord, come into my heart. Make me, shape me, and mold me into the person who you've called me to be. I lay my life down. My life is now in your hands. Do with me as you wish. In the mighty name of Lord Jesus, I pray, and I thank you, Father. Amen. Guys, we're going to believe that if you pray that simple little prayer, you have just now transferred over from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. And also, if the rapture was whenever the rapture takes place, you will be one of the ones that will go with Christ, our Lord Jesus, when he comes back for us to spend eternity with him. And if you go by grave, just know you still have a place in the kingdom. When you get on the other side, he's going to tell you, well done, my true and faithful servant. Now I will tell you this, pray and ask God to send you to a good Bible based church. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't, don't do it on your own. Cause everything that says church is not church. As I always say, if you look at revelations, chapter two, revelation chapters two and three, that's the seven churches, right? Christ gave a different report to each of those churches. And out of all those churches, only two got good reports. So pray and ask God to send you to the to a good Bible based church. And he's going to do just that because everything that says church is not church. It might look good on the outside, but I'm telling you, some of this stuff here that say they're churches, they're not really a church of God. Pray. And ask God to lead you to where to go. And he's going to do just that. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope that I did a good job in explaining how Daniel showing what Daniel seeing with that last kingdom with the feet and toes represents the kingdom 
that John represents is what John is seeing in Revelation chapter 13, that the angel explained to him. Like when you read Revelation 13, the angel is going tells John everything what he saw in 13. The angel tells him in chapter 17 what it all means. Okay. And as I said, with the 10 kings in Revelation 17, Daniel chapter 7 goes more in depth with their history as far as how. They give their power over to the to uh, to the Antichrist. OK, but we're going to see it whenever we get to Daniel chapter seven. OK, but thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Next week, we're going to we're going to Daniel chapter three. And that is a very everybody knows the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Everybody knows it. However, we're going to go over it. But I want to ask you this question when we go over it. Because of what we've read with Revelation, some of the events of Daniel chapter three line up with Revelation, line up with end time. It is a very big Daniel chapter three is a very big example of the end times as far as how things are going to be during the seven year tribulation period. Okay. We're going to take a look at that in Daniel chapter three next week. Okay. I love you guys. As I always tell you, pray the Lord's prayer and pray the armor of God prayer with you and your family before you walk out of the door every day so that you'll be protected from the wiles and the tricks of the devil and the pitfalls and traps. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to my brothers and sisters over in Canada and in the UK who listen to this podcast. I may never see you. Just know that I love you and I'm praying for you. I pray that God's blessings, God will pour out a blessing for you that you will not have room enough to receive. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And for all of my other listeners over here in the States, I pray the same thing. I pray God's blessings will overflow. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Let it spill into your laps. I thank, thank you guys so much for your support. I love you guys so much, man. Y'all, please be safe out there. Please be careful. And I'll see you here next week with another episode of the Last Things Podcast where we are on a journey to truth. Love you guys. Be blessed. <laughs>